Before we get started, I want to thank our uh, guests that are with us here today. I know uh, we have Thomas's grandparents that are with us today from Florida. So you're our honored guest, and we are honored to have you here this morning. As I always say to our guests, if there's something we do that may be different than you're used to, or something that is said or, or, te or taught, uh, please let us know. I'd love to answer those questions for you. Uh, Jack, if you're at home watching this, I haven't seen you in a long time, buddy, but it's great to have you on uh, Zoom watching this. Jack Allen, if you guys don't know Jack Allen, he's a wonderful man. And uh, just, uh, it, it's just awesome. I remember about Jack Allen. I'll tell you a little something about remember about Jack. It was so funny. Daryl Davis used to come, and uh, Daryl Davis has passed on now. He's a member of the Sunset Church of Christ. But I remember Daryl used to come uh, uh, every fifth Sunday we did singing over at Allen Park uh, on the fifth Sunday evenings. And, and every time Daryl would come by, he say, Jack would say, Daryl, you're making me feel old because I taught you when you were just a little toddler. And now Jack's probably in his, you know, mid to late, probably mid to late 90s now. So it's great to have Jack with us here this morning. But this morning we're going to talk about uh, Psalm chapter 23. If you guys wanted to open up your Bibles, there you can. Uh, this is actually a lesson. I know the women have been doing, uh, just finished up a class on uh, Psalm 23, and there was another book that they were doing. But uh, two weeks ago, before I got sick, it was, I think I don't even know what it was, maybe a Tuesday or a Wednesday or something. Uh, from time to time, me and Diane Middleton and Chuck will talk. And, and uh, I said, you know, I'm having, having a hard time coming up with a topic for this week. I said, I, said, I said, what would you like me to preach on? And she says, well, you know, the 23rd Psalm in the sixth verse. I said, I wouldn't mind hearing something about that. You know, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, uh, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. And so this lesson is going to piggyback off of, well, the lesson from a couple weeks ago. Because if you remember a couple weeks ago, I spoke on Psalm 18. And when we looked at Psalm 18, it was, it was David, he was praising God for his victories, if you remember the lesson from a couple weeks ago, right? He was praising God for his victories, and David knew that his victories weren't because of his own uh, brilliant mind, his own battle strategies, his own, his own abilities, it wasn't because of his own strength. David knew that his victories and all that he had in this life and all that he accomplished was because God's power was working through him. David knew it was because God's providence. He knew it was because of God's preeminence. And so this morning, as we look at Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6, if you haven't looked at the bulletin uh, this week, the bulletin article is basically Psalm 23, but I want you to be able to, if you haven't noticed, you could find the gospel in Psalm chapter 23. And so if you look at Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, I put it in there as the bulletin article this week. So if you haven't seen it, pull up your email, get a hard copy of it, take a look at it, and you'll find the gospel in the 23rd Psalm. And so I want us to think about the inspiration, because last week we didn't look at Psalm 18 in detail, but we looked at the inspiration behind Psalm 18. And that's the idea that I want to do here today is we take the 23rd Psalm and we want to look at the inspiration behind the words that David records there in those six verses. I mean, what was David's life like? I mean, think about David. Think about all that you know about David. What was his life like uh, leading up to the writing of this psalm? And so, you know, there's different time frames on when people thought uh, he may have wrote the 23rd Psalm. Um, was it early on in his life? Was it later in his life? You know, there's, there's, there's some uh, different thought processes about that. But what do we know about David? We know that his life was plagued with trouble, was it not? I mean, uh, the aggravation from having to flee from his loved ones. 
He was the leader of King Saul's military. And yet he has to flee for his life because of the aggravation that King Saul was causing to him. He was trying to murder David. He was trying to kill David. And David and his faithful men were fleeing for their lives. And and nights they were starving and sleeping in caves. And they were just, and this went on for a long time. He had the opposition from the Philistines, the pressures of of leading a divided kingdom, troubles from within his own family, not to mention the troubles that plagued him because of his own hearts and because of the sins of his own hearts. And so David, he thinks about all of the things that he's faced. And as I think of the inspiration behind the 23rd Psalm, I think about what I just, what I just listed on some of the things that he was facing, and there's probably more that could be listed for sure. But his mind starts to go back to a simpler time. Who here ever, as you're thinking about uh, life, and you're, you're, you're going through something challenging, maybe it's a medical diagnosis, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a problem with your children, problem with your career, but you know you're, you're starting to struggle, and you're starting to think some negative thoughts. Have you ever sometimes just went back to a simpler time in your mind? Have you ever thought back to simpler days, simpler times when things were probably not as difficult, things were a little bit more, less chaotic, things were a little simpler, right? And you can remember and you look back upon those days with fondness. Well, I would like to think that as David is recalling his life and he's going through these things, and then all of a sudden, all scripture is guided by the Holy Spirit, amen? And then these words start to come to him. The Lord is my shepherd. And he thinks about those words, and as David thinks back to his simpler time, what do you think David was thinking back to? What was David before he was anointed as the next king of Israel? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. And so he was out there in the fields, and he was, he was there, and he was caring for the sheep, and he knows and he understands all that it meant to be a shepherd. He understood what it meant to care for something, what it meant to protect something, to guide something, to lead something, and to give something uh, such, uh, such a, uh, a carefree mindset that they knew that they could rest peacefully Because the shepherd was always there for them. And so David thinks about the Lord. He thinks about God. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And as you think about that, he says, not only is the Lord my shepherd, but I shall not want. Because I remember, how much did my sheep, how much did my flock need when I was their shepherd? And he thinks, well, man, if my flock did that good, how much better am I going to do? Because I know that God Almighty is the good shepherd. I know he is my shepherd. What do I need that he does not provide? And so he says the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And these words, they continue to come to David as he, as he thinks about all that the good shepherd, our Lord, our, our Lord and our God has done for him. He says, he leads me into rest. He leads me into righteousness. The Lord, he restores me in my heart. Even though my heart wanders from time to time and my spirit falters from time to time, David said that the Lord, he picks me up. He brings me back. He never lets me down because the Lord, he guides me and he he guards me, he guides me, he restores me. Brethren, these are the thoughts that are coming to David as he's writing this psalm. He says, I have walked through some dark valleys in my days. Anybody here walk through any dark valleys? And those dark valleys can be called many different things. You know, sometimes we think of other people in life and we think, well, because they seem to have it all going right on the outside, that they must not have any problems. I can guarantee you some of the people with the most problem are the people that try to look the best on the outside. 
And inside they're falling apart. And David, he thinks through these dark valleys that he has to walk through. But he understands that even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, that the Lord my God, my shepherd, will sustain me. He'll guide me. He'll protect me. You think about the Lord and you think about all the Lord has done for David. You think about all the Lord has done for you. David's thinking about it. He says, the Lord sustains me even though the Philistines hate me. Even though they would love for my head on a pike. Even though my trusted colleagues are betraying me. Even though members of my own family have, have, uh, have rose up against me. David says, but the Lord, he still stands with me. In spite of all of these things, the Lord stands with me. He guides me. He protects me. He prepares a table before me uh, in the presence of my enemies. Brethren, you see this psalm that you're looking at here this morning in Psalm chapter 23. This whole psalm is simply a meditation on what the good shepherd does for his sheep. What has the good shepherd done for his sheep? Fast forwarding many, many years to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, while we were yet sinners, the good shepherd, he had sent his son to die for you. To die for me. Because of our sins. Because of our failures, goodness and mercy shall pursue me. They shall follow me all the days of my life. And you think about what that means, and we're going to get into that a little bit more here this morning. David, is, he finds strength from these words. He finds strength from meditating on all that God has done for him. Even though the Philistines hate him, even though his trusted colleagues rise up against him, even though his family members are turning against him. He knows that the Lord sustains him if he remains faithful. When he remains faithful and true unto the Lord, goodness and mercy will follow him all the days of his life. Brothers and sisters, we look at this information this morning. And just as each and every one of us should be strengthened, when we think back to simpler times, how many times when you're going through the dark, the dark days, the storms of life, how many times do you reflect back on all that God has done for you? Are you like David as, you're, as he thinks back to a simpler time? Are you thinking back to times to when, well, before this medical diagnosis, before my problems in my marriage, before my problems with my children, before my problems in my career, and you think back that all has, God has done for you. But do you also think about, can you find the, 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 the silver lining in the midst of the storm? Isn't God still providing for faithful and true sheep? That are, isn't that what it means by goodness and mercy will, will follow me, will pursue me all the days of my life? That even in the storm, goodness and mercy, they're coming. And they're following after me. And they're coming after me. Because God's love and mercy is never ending. There's nothing in this world that is going to stop God's love and his mercy. You could choose to walk away from God's love and mercy, but God's love and mercy will never walk away from you. So brothers and sisters, we look at this information here this morning. David's first thought as, as he was writing this is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But by the very end, he says, Surely goodness and surely mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. forever. And so brethren, we look at Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is simply an exercise in faith. It's an exercise in faith because David's remembering all that God has done for him. 
It, he, he's recalling all the goodness and all the mercy. And those words, they give him encouragement. They strengthen him. How often are you strengthening and encouraged by, the, by knowing what God has done for you as you recall your blessings, as you recall all the advantages that the Lord has given you? When, you, when you're tired, when you're, when you're jaded, when you're drained, when you're run down, how many times do you recall all that the Lord has done for you to become refreshed? As David was refreshed, as he was encouraged, as he was strengthened. It makes me think of Psalm 103. When you look at the, uh, Psalm chapter 103 and you look at verse 1 and 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, and all that... Uh, in all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of these benefits. Forget none of the blessings that God has done for me. So brethren, this morning I want us to examine the final verse, the sixth verse of Psalm 23 that it says on the screen behind me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brethren, we're going to examine this verse, because this is the verse that Diane had asked about. And so I just wanted to set the stage for this last verse. But as we get to this last verse, remember this is a meditation on all that God has done for David, and it truly is something that we have to understand, and we realize what God has done for us who remain faithful and true to him. When the Lord is your shepherd, he loves you and he surrounds you with his love and care. Remember Jesus before his death says, how often I wanted to gather you, the Jews, like my children, like little hens, like a mother hen would gather her chicks beneath her wings. He says, how, lo how I've longed to just gather you together and to bring you within my loving care. And yet you were unwilling and so we have to remember, brethren, that as we know that this is, this is a meditation uh, on encouragement and all that God has done for David, we understand that the love of the Good Shepherd is a love that pursues us. It's a love that pursues those who remain faithful and true unto God. It's a love that welcomes us unto God. And so as we think about this here this morning, I want us to take a, a, a few minutes and just consider the idea of pursuing in this 23rd Psalm, it says, He follows me. Goodness and mercy shall follow me, which means it pursues me. I remember when I was in Iowa, and I think about Lloyd. Lloyd was uh, one, of, one of the main members of the, of the congregation out there, and, and he was a man who owned farmland in, in many different states. He had, he had properties all over, you know, the, all over the Midwest and the West. And he had, uh, he had farming uh, operations, he had ranching operations, but I think about his cattle, and I think about, he had these big dogs, and I remember, and I can't even remember, uh, uh, what, what, do you remember what those are called, a Anatolian? Anatolian, uh, uh, what it? Anatolian Shepherds. And I was trying to remember, and Christy reminded me. These dogs were huge. I'm talking like this big. And I remember when we first got to Iowa, Aiden, he starts crying because Aiden at the time was probably like five, six years old. And this dog's head was as big as Aiden's torso. And, like, and they just look ferocious. But these were his cattle dogs. These dogs, they went outside, they roamed around, they protected the cattle from predators, and they made sure that they were safe. And so it made me start thinking about shepherds. And I did a little research, I did a little reading about shepherds, and most shepherds also have trusty dogs. I know in the book it talks about his dogs and how his trusty dog, but I read about a shepherd 
that was, uh, that, that was uh, of Scottish, uh, uh, Scottish origin. And the same shepherd, he actually ended up writing uh, and, and, and preaching a lesson on the sixth verse of the 23rd Psalm. And, and I, as I think about those, shep, those sheepdogs that I, that I researched, it says how they're instrumental in not only herding the sheep, but also scaring off the predators. And the shepherd's dogs are always with them. And when the shepherd goes out to gather their sheep in the hills and to bring them back into the pen, these dogs go out with the shepherd. And this, 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 this Scottish uh, shepherd who decided to preach on the sixth verse of the 23rd Psalm said that when my dogs go out, they literally make these wide arcing passes around the sheep and they gather the sheep, and they start to herd the sheep back in towards the middle, and they start herding the sheep back in towards the shepherd who's guiding them to the pen. The pen is a figurative, figurative of the church, right? And how goodness and mercy, he says, I want you to think of goodness and mercy like these two little sheepdogs. One's, one's called goodness and one's called mercy, and they're outflanking the sheep, and they're drawing the sheep back in towards the middle. The middle, because that's where the shepherd is. The shepherd takes the lead. He doesn't even look back, because he knows that the sheep who know him know his name, know his voice, and so they're following him into the pen, following him into safety, following into the church, if you will. And he says, you look at goodness and mercy. He says, these, good, these dogs are going to pursue you all the days of your life. And so, brethren, when you think about this Scottish, uh, this Scottish shepherd, it was just so interesting when I was reading about what he had to write. And it, it, just the imagery that he, that he used about calling goodness and mercy these two dogs who are going to pursue the sheep. And they're going to make sure there's no stragglers. And they're going to make sure that they stay tight and close unto the, unto the Lord, unto the Master, the Good Shepherd. And so I love that imagery. And so let's, let's break that down a little bit more here this, uh, this morning. Think about goodness for a second. How many times when you think about goodness can somebody say, but you know, preacher, he said, you know, I, I, just, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. There's a lot of trouble going on in my life. And there's, I'm sure that most of us, if we really had to, we could probably make a list of all the things that are going wrong in our lives. There's, I mean, who here couldn't make a list of some of the troubles and the problems that they're dealing with, right? But we have to understand why is that? Because we live in a, uh, we live in a sin-filled world. We live in a fallen world. And so sin has, has, has had its devastating effects on the world. Sin has had its devastating effects on our country, on our churches, on our homes, on our own hearts. And so even in the midst of evil, you know what still happens? Good things. Even though the news doesn't like to report on it because good doesn't sell, does it? Evil sells. Bad sells. Trouble sells. And so that is, that's what gives them the ratings. But even in the midst of an evil and sinful generation, there's still good things happening by good people. Even on the rainiest and the most stormy days, you know what's still shining? The sun. You might not see it, but the sun's still shining. And even in the midst of evil, brethren, there is good happening in this world. It makes me think of James chapter 1 and verse 17. For every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of shifting. Every good thing in life comes from the love of God. Everything that we have in this life has come from God. That is why when we give back on a Sunday morning, we're, uh, we're, we're partaking of the offering, and we say we give back a portion of what God has given to us. Why? Because there is literally nothing that we don't use God's resources for us in our lives. 
And so as we think about our lives, sinners, they like to blame God for everything, and they like to thank him for nothing. But those who are faithful and true unto God like to thank God for everything, and they like to blame him for nothing. You see, brethren, goodness is God giving us what we don't deserve. That sheepdog called goodness that that shepherd was talking about, he says, God is goodness. God is good in that he always gives us what we don't deserve. And if you belong to the good shepherd, God's goodness is always chasing after you. What does it mean to belong to the good shepherd? It means that you remain faithful and true unto God and that you're living your life in accordance with his desires, in accordance to his moral standards, in accordance to his will. But what about that sheepdog mercy? I just told you that goodness is God giving us what we don't deserve, but mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Think about that for a second. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve because we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we know that goodness and mercy, they're going to pursue us. They're going to follow us all the days of our lives. And brethren, thank goodness, thank goodness that God doesn't have a sheepdog named Justice. Because I guarantee you if that dog named Justice catches up with you, you're going to stand before God, right, in judgment. And so every year... How many times do you think about wildfires? Uh, every year there's a wildfire season in this country, is there not? You, you, you turn on the news, you turn on the national news, and there's literally tens of thousands of acres that are set ablaze that are, that are out west, right, in our western states. Every single year. And you hear about all the destruction and all the devastation. But notice the imagery that we see in Psalm 83 and verse 14. As fire consumes the forest, and as the flame sets the mountain ablaze, do you know what Psalm 83 is talking about? I don't want to go into, the, to go into it too deep, but it's talking about God's judgment. That is how God's judgment pursues the wicked. The imagery is as of a fire that is consuming the mountain and everything that is upon it. It is pictured as a wildfire sweeping over the mountain, consuming all, it, all that's in its path. And so thank God that in Christ Jesus, he does not chase us with the wildfire of judgment. He chases, chases us with goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Brethren, goodness and mercy will follow you if you remain faithful unto God. And I'm pretty sure that these are the thoughts that David has going through his mind as he was penning Psalm 23. When you belong to the good shepherd, brethren, you can be sure about this. That God will chase after you, not with judgment and condemnation, but with goodness and mercy. Brethren, your worst days here on this planet... Your worst days in this life are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. But listen to this. Your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. And lastly, brethren, let's consider what it means to have God welcome us. The second half of verse, uh, of verse 6 of the 23rd Psalm says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It makes me think of what Psalm 27 tells us. In Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4, David says, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and so that I can meditate in his temple. Brethren, David is saying, because of God's goodness, because of God's mercy, because, of, because the Lord leads me, because he restores me and guards me and sustains me, he says, I will walk with him, I will worship him, I will love him, and I will serve him all the days of my life. 
But you see what he's talking about there. He's talking about the present. He's talking about in the, in the here and now. But when you get to the second half of the verse, of uh, verse 6 of the 23rd Psalm, he's no longer talking about the, uh, his earthly life. He's no longer talking about the days of this life. And I know this because in the first half of that verse, he says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of this life. Well, David begins to look beyond this life. He begins to look on to the joy that uh, eternity, the joy of eternity, as he spends it with in the immediate presence of the Lord. And as I just, and as I just said a second ago, brethren, to, in order to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we have to be faithful and true unto God, because as we do, brethren, we know that God will provide, as Psalm twenty-three and six, uh, Psalm twenty-three one through six tells us. But as we think about heaven, before I shut this lesson down, as we think about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, what is that going to be like? Well, brethren, I can tell you, because the scriptures tell us. The very first thing that it will be, it's going to be very different than, this, than how our life is here on this planet. Your wives will no longer be your wives. Your husband will no longer be your husband. Your children will no longer be your children. We know this because that's what the scriptures teach us. But we know that when you dwell in the house of the Lord, you dwell by faith, you no longer dwell by faith, but you dwell by sight. Why? Because you will now see God for as he is. You will see Christ Jesus in all his glory. All the old battles will be over. All your old wounds will be healed. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. You will see Christ in his glory. Death will be defeated. And evil and sin will be a thing of the past. Brethren, heaven won't be wonderful because it's heaven. Heaven is going to be wonderful because that's where God is. And we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord amongst God, amongst his love and his protection and his, uh, his ability to provide for every need that you could possibly ever have. We will no longer walk by faith, but we will walk by sight. Brethren, to dwell in the house of the Lord is really, truly indescribable. You know, a lot of preachers hate to preach on heaven because, well, when, we try, when people ask questions, specific questions about heaven, there's not a whole lot we got for you. There's not a whole lot I could tell you about what the scriptures teach because it uses a lot of figurative type language. It talks about the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, the walls of jasper. That's hyperbole. It, 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 it's figurative language. It's not literal streets of gold and literal uh, pearly gates and literal walls of jasper. Even the Apostle Paul in his writings, when he said, I was called up to the third heaven, he says there were utterances that were undescribable. He says, I really couldn't even understand what it was saying because it was out of this world. It was beyond my comprehension. And brethren, that is what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is indescribable. And it's going to be a place that I can guarantee you is just going to blow our minds. And that David is also telling us that God's people will dwell there forever. And did you know that as David says that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of, the, of this life, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Notice what Jesus had to say in John 14. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, in verse 1 through 3, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I, Jesus, go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And there, where I am, there you will be. Brothers and sisters, as I close this down... The psalmist David acknowledges that God prepares and reserves a place for his people. 
He tells us that in the 6th verse of the 23rd Psalm, and Jesus promises the same thing. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, says David, and Jesus says, if I have gone to prepare a place, then there you will be with me, for I will come and bring you to where I am. Brothers and sisters, we must recognize, though, that God, he doesn't just, he doesn't just prepare one place. You see, brethren, it's important. I can't shut this lesson down without letting you know that there's a warning here. That God, yes, he prepares a place for his faithful sheep to dwell in the house of his forever. And Jesus has gone to prepare that place. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that God has prepared two places. The first place, brethren, are for those who live faithfully unto God. And the second place are for those who reject God, reject his teachings, and live not according to his moral standards. Their part, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So I ask you, brethren, which place is your life's choices leading you towards? Which place is your faith, or lack thereof, leading you towards? Brothers and sisters, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And I'm going to put it into this type of context. Who here has ever had maybe middle school, maybe high school, maybe college? Maybe you fell in love with somebody. Anybody here ever fall in love? Did anybody here ever fall in love, but that love wasn't reciprocated? Right? But you have this great love, this passion that you have for this individual, this man or this woman, and yet it's not reciprocated. You see, brethren, God loves you, but he wants you to love him. And he is going to accept you. Those little sheepdogs I talked about that that Scottish preacher pre preached about, the sheepdogs of goodness and mercy, they are going to pursue you. But only to the point that you allow them to pursue you. You can't pursue something that something doesn't want to be pursued. So eventually, just like in that, re in like that relationship you hoped for, sometimes in order to love something, you've got to let it go. Sometimes if you love something enough, you got to let it go. If it returns to you, it was meant to be. If it wasn't, well then, you know the rest of the story. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you, but he wants you to reciprocate it. And we reciprocate it by being faithful and true unto the Lord because we realize all that God has done for us, and so I worship him, I love him, and I bow down in reverence to him because I realize I am nothing without God in my life. And I realized that God's love was culminated in the cross of Jesus Christ. When he died, when he was nailed to a cross, when he was scourged, because of that goodness and mercy that follows after all those who will call upon his name. You see, brethren, he wants a relationship with you. And you could want a relationship with him. And if you want a relationship with God, it begins in the waters of baptism. Because you cannot become a child of God if you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and for God to add you to the kingdom. That's where the journey with God begins. That's where when the shepherd is leading the sheep into the pen, it's like the shepherd and his dogs are leading the sheep into the church. You see, brethren, you have an opportunity to become a child of God today, and it begins in those waters. If that is your desire, come, come forward as we stand and sing. The Song of Invitation.